Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kyle Tolzman, and you're listening to the Against All Average podcast, episode number 11, the show where business owners and entrepreneurs come to learn the skills and mindset to lead exceptional lives. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Jake, the closer. Hey, you put in another one. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's start this out. Today, I am joined by the one and only Jake, the flake spurly. Oh, I put that one in. Switch up. Wow. You sure got me there, Kyle. Good job. (laughs) That's like complete dad joke, like something a dad would do, everybody. Round of applause for that. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. We need, I wish I had like a nice studio set up where I could get the the amateur claps in there and uh, act like we're in a studio, but that's not the case. Like Jim Cramer? Yeah. Just like Jim Cramer. Hey, yeah. Kind of on that uh, banter topic, because I, you know, we just love opening it up with a little banter here. How many lawnmowers or planter boxes did you break this week, Kyle? Oh, my God. Oh, come on. That's a low blow. That is a low blow. Like, you know I don't break lawnmowers. <laughs> I fixed, that, that, I fixed them. Yeah, right. Okay, whatever. Uh, and for, every, for everybody that's missed some episodes, Kyle has a weird obsession with lawnmowers and fixing <laughs> lawnmowers, which I tease him about, but it's actually actually really cool everybody has to have their thing to kind of decompress make a couple bucks whatever and uh he did actually epically fail at making a planter box and he had to go back and completely rebuild it so i just had to ask him yeah one planter box jake one planter box and it was just the top keep telling yourself that whatever all right Getting on. We love our sponsors on the Against All Average podcast. When you need all things digital looking their best, call our friends at Fame Pro Services. Our friends will give you the above all average treatment with an awesome new website, custom graphics, social media management, and a full line of printing services. Fame, the trusted partner of the Against All Average podcast. Well, let's get this, uh, let's get this show rolling. You, you jacked up for this one, Jake? I am absolutely stoked. We have somebody who I'm pretty sure if you had like a DNA test for her, it would say something about small business. And it's like hundred percent. This lady knows all about small business. She's going to drop some gold on how to take your small business to the absolute next level. What small rural communities need. And uh, it's just going to be gold flowing everywhere. Awesome. I'm excited. Let's get this going. In this week's episode, we have someone that doesn't screw around when it comes to small business. She's the former director of a chamber of commerce, owns Mental Happiness, a project management company. For the past four years, she has worked with social media marketing and economic development. She is currently the director for Keep It Local Columbia County and community coordinator for Next Renewable Fuels. This lady knows all about small businesses and building a stronger small business community. Give it up for the one and only small business guru, Natasha Parvey. Natasha, what are you up to? Well, thanks, Kyle. I think I'm going to have you introduce, do all my introductions. Yes, yes, I got a new job today. I wrote it just. I like it. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, you guys make me sound really good. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I I don't do it alone. I have a team, so it works really well. That's awesome. Uh, Jake's worked with you in the past, and that's how Mm -hmm. we reached out to you. And thank you so much for being on the show to offer value to a lot of our small business owners that have gone through a really tough time. Uh, the last three months have been a uh, uh, mental and physical and financial uh, burden for a lot of our small businesses. And Jake and I are, are really happy that you're here to discuss a lot of different topics that will give them actual tangible things to walk away with. So tell the listeners a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? What was middle school and high school like? We want to know about you. Yeah. Well, I... I... I got a lot to share because um, I'm, you know, got some years behind me, which is good, which is good for experience. I grew up in northern North Dakota, right on the Canadian border, and my dad's a farmer, and so I grew up, um, you know, figuring out the way of the world through farming, um, which is tough. And uh, you know, the only variable you can't control in business is the weather, and those farmers are kind of they're kind of crazy. So um, you know, it was it was good experience growing up on a farm, and it was really rural. Um, to run away. Um, you just couldn't because there's nowhere to run. Uh, McDonald's <laughs> was 70, 75 miles away. And oh, so um, you really, you know, it's, it's pretty rural. But um, that, that was good experience for me because, um, you know, your, your friends are chosen for you. You have to get along with everybody. 
it promotes collaboration. And, um, you know, when you get to the big city, you get to try a lot of new things. So, um, but yeah, my, my mom and dad, um, small farmers, they grow uh, Durham and wheat and um, sunflowers. And so if you have a, a beer, you want to drink light, not Bud Light, because <laughs> <laughs> light is but, uh, wheat beer and, and uh, Bud Light is uh, rice beer. So just kind of a little tidbit there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I have three little sisters. We're all within five years. So they were definitely my best friends growing up and my accomplices and a lot of uh, issues on the farm. <laughs> Shenanigans, so to speak. <laughs> I, uh, you know, Father's Day is coming up and I saw a t-shirt that said, uh, you know, I, sur I survived, I had two daughters. Um, I really need to make my dad one that says, I survived, I had four daughters. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm wow. trying to survive right now. I have a four-year-old and a three-year-old daughter. And then Kaysen is my son and he's he'll be seven at the end of the month. So I understand this uh, sibling shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my parents, um, you know, living on a farm, you have to work, to, you know, help out with chores. And their big thing was, let's give them enough chores so we, they can't have fun. Well, I, being the oldest, quickly know how to get the team going to uh, get the chores done so we can get off the farm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you started those leadership skills while you were young. Which is interesting because I can, I can usually get to about 90% of a project and I need a really strong team to push me over the edge. And uh, knowing that um, is from having three little sisters. So. All right. Talk a little bit about, so your small town, I assume your elementary like kindergarten class was like five kids, something like that, or like. What, what it was you? your family. <laughs> yeah. Just well, actually, my, my, my kindergarten class was pretty large because at that time and in the farming community, um, there were a lot of farmers, so a stronger community. As time went on in the 80s, um, things dwindled, farming, farmers went out of business, and the classes got smaller. Um, my seventh grade through 12th grade high school had 32 kids in it. Whoa. Wow. And eight out of my class. So um, I did have, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's tiny. So um, how far away is the next like bigger town? Well, what's interesting is there's a lot of, because we were on the border, there was a lot of towns that might like, let's say 20 miles south. There's a town called, you know, Rock Lake. Um, so, and then there's a town to the west and there's a town to the east. And we really, we had to combine with all those little towns to have our sports teams. Okay. So we were actually the border aces and we were the woodchucks and we were the BMS blitz. So, um, yeah, you do what you can to make it happen in, in rural America. We always hear about those. I live kind of next to Hare Field, and they used to host all of the Oregon football uh, state championships. And so you'd have those 1A schools and the 2As and the 3As. And I was like, eight-man eight football? What, what is that? Like, why would you ever do that? And then <laughs> yeah. I, started, I started thinking these, these smaller schools have, you know, 100 kids total. Yeah. And so there's 10 kids on the football team and eight play at a time. And they just, you know, they, they do what they do what they can to, to have fun and stay athletic and, and do the things that we, we do in, in a bigger high school. I kind of joke because I was the, uh, you know, prom queen, so to speak, a captain of the varsity team. I was a cheerleader. I was FHA. <laughs> you know, president. I was editor president. So, so. You, you leave high school with this just huge, awesome resume. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's just like, oh my goodness, like this is the real deal. But in all seriousness, um, what you realize is that you can do a lot of things. You're just not going to be really good at all of them, um, which is why I have a project company, right? Because <laughs> right. <laughs> you spend all this time, you know, collaborate on different projects and things when you're younger. And that really does shape who you are when you're older. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about keeping it local or it's called keep it local Columbia County. Where did the vision for this start? Who are the key players in this organization that you're a part of? And, and what is your role in helping the local Columbia County economies? So where we live, we're about um, 30 minutes outside of Portland. So we're a bedroom community and we have a very large commuter rate, um, over 75% in the two local cities, which is Scappoose and St. Helens. Um, and so really what happens is we're losing a lot of money over the course of a year in sales. I think it's 200 million. Um, and so the economic development director at that time, Chuck Daughtry, and some of the community leaders really felt like, how are we going to um, help our small businesses? And at that point, we hired a consultant, which everybody does. 
and really found out from our local businesses and consumers that people would shop local if they knew it was around them, that they want to support local. It's just in a small community, not everybody's on Facebook, not everybody has a website, not everybody has a phone number, right? Sometimes the really good guy that sharpens the, you know, the tools, you, you can't find them unless you call the neighbor down the road to get in touch right. with them. So, right. um, so really the concept was created that we needed a website, which is not anything new, but we just needed a place where everybody could add their business information. So it's a one-stop shop to bring the county together. Um, and so it's, it's been a four-year project. Um, I'm very part-time on it. I'm an independent contractor. And I have the opportunity to uh, really bring the community together um, and do a lot of outreach and collaboration with nonprofits as well as uh, businesses. Um, so like, for example, and we have a new business here in, locally that um, they sell, uh, they have an art store and then they do crafts and things, so they're artists. Um, but when they do a class, they tag us on Facebook and we can help give them promotion. So it's a really great grassroots um, way to help local businesses. Yeah. So you guys, you know, hired this consultant, realized there was a real need problem, which really I always see as an opportunity to be better in putting businesses on the map. What were kind of your guys' first steps into solving the issue and really forming this whole uh, keep it local Columbia County kind of vision. Well, one of the things we had to get players from each of the cities all on one page um, and get a commitment from each of those players. And so we had a really strong um, leadership through the Ford Foundation. Um, they basically helped us uh, with giving us a leader to help us through all those committees and move us forward, which was helpful. And then we started the website um, and then they hired me to contract um, for 10 hours a week and basically do outreach and then um, check in with small businesses to see what their needs are um, through advertising, through classes. Um, I do a lot of brainstorming with businesses as well, or who do I need to meet and connections. Um, I always try to match efforts. That's, I think that's really important. If I have a business owner that calls me and needs something, I'll make sure to connect them with the resource that they need and then help them as much help as they need along the way. Got it. You talk about the about a web the website. I know I've seen it, but for you know listeners who have oh. no clue what the Keep Local Columbia County website is, what is that, and what value does that bring to the small business community? So it's keepitlocalcc.com, and it's a directory. And in that directory, there is a an op, a place where a business owner can add their business. So it creates like a little profile, like an old fashioned phone book, or so to speak, but it's online. And so you can add photos, you can um, update if you add a, a video. Um, it basically creates a little marketing platform for the businesses. And then we have the event side, which draws people looking for things can find it on events and then they can also find the businesses. So what it really does is give Give, provides free advertising to all the business owners in Columbia County. Um, one of the biggest problems business owners face is that they don't have the large, they don't have enough advertising dollars. And so this is one way that if they advertise with us for free, they can spend money with our local news newspapers and our local um, professionals in the advertising industry. We encourage that. Um, it just kind of helps you know get them noticed. And Natasha, what are yeah your role? yeah we talked about advertising and you know go ahead Kyle. Natasha, one of your roles is checking in with those small businesses and we can talk about content, but what's the feeling in Columbia County right now? I'm in Washington County. We just opened up for phase one. Uh, today's date is June 2nd for those listeners listening to this episode a little bit later. What's the feeling around town? It's interesting. Um, I am, I've been in, in the two cities, Scappoos and St. Helens. Um, I have not been any farther north because my husband's high risk. Um, so I've, that's been hard on me. But the, the feeling is some businesses are just now starting to come open this week. Um, they waited, even though we were allowed to do some of them in phase one. Uh, May 15th, they didn't. They chose to just wait, get their ducks in order, um, and open when they were ready to open and safely. So um, we see a kind of a mix of consumers that are cautious and consumers that are just going to go out anyway. Um, I did see on Facebook that one of the restaurant uh, managers had said, we got our first bad customer that doesn't want to abide by the rules and is not being nice. So that, that was good to see. Um, the restaurant owners here in our county have really banded together to help one another. Um, and they're doing like a peer-to-peer -peer Facebook group. Um, so I kind of stay real plugged in with them. So I guess it's a mix of half and half. Um, you know, when I'm out, I don't, most people are not wearing masks um, in the stores they are, but most, most people are not wearing them. Right. I actually kind of feel odd wearing one, but I, I have to, my husband's asked me to. So we do it for the family. Got to do it for the family, always for the family. 
how I you know, especially, especially right now, you, you know, in the past, I guess past the past three months and even going forward, being digital is going to be important. It's always been important, but I think now more than ever, it's going to be um, extremely noticeable if you're not digitally in tune. What advice have you kind of been giving to small businesses during this time? And you talk about some of them can't afford to spend those marketing dollars. What are some affordable ways that small businesses can get on the map now? Um, there's some really simple tools to plug into uh, your SBA. Um, hang on. Your SBA and um, your Score Portland, they have a lot of free classes. So that's a great way to plug in. You know, if you're not familiar how to use Facebook or social media, um, just Google it on it, uh, just Google it, a free class will pop up. But you definitely want to rebrand yourself during this time. And if you're not on social media, you need to be. And if you're on social media, you need to get creative and do something different. Um, I always recommend people do a little bit of research on their competition to see what they're doing um, and find out, you know, what, what look do you like? What business is doing what you want to do? And then look at what they're doing and kind of model it to make it yours. Um, you know, that's how Walmart and Target, they you know, steal from each other on the best ideas. But, um, but that's why I always say is do your research and, and find out what works for you. Create a real niche um, on what you're doing right now. Um, we've had some restaurants that have started selling just, um, you know, they're doing their signature lemon drop, which is Dockside Steak and Pasta. And that has done wonders for their business right now. But they've really created a niche. They are going to be the, the one to go to for your lemon drop, right? So um, it's creating that specific niche is really important. Right. Beyond the social media, are there any other things that you're kind of telling these small businesses, hey, this is a must do right now? Or is it kind of just sticking, sticking to the social media side? Well, one of the other things that I always tell business owners, no matter, you know, COVID or not, is to wear a name tag when you're out. Um, whether you're meeting with clients, whether you're in the coffee, coffee shop, whatever. But I, I cannot tell you, I have a couple different projects and I'm always switching my name tags. People notice and they look, they, they look to see it. If you've got a name tag on there, like, what, do, what does she do? What, what is her profession? What does she do? It's a conversation starter. And it's an old trick. Um, it's been around for a long time. But it's, but it's something I like to share because most people don't wear a name tag, which is really I, simple. Yeah, I definitely. I always notice you wearing a name tag. And I'm like, does this, like, everybody knows your name. Nobody needs to actually, you know, see yeah. your name tag. And so, you know, that's something I just learned right now is um, wear a name tag. Old trick that uh, I definitely probably would have never thought of that, Kyle, would you? Jake, your potential clients are still mad that you're wearing your hat backwards. <laughs> I'm going on like and you, 120. It looks no like haircut. it looks like you're in a dungeon right now, too. Like, are the you gonna turn the light out. on in there? The lights are on, dude. It's the sun. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm on the beach, the coast. It's I blame the water. It's reflecting yep. off the water. It's shining in. Okay. Yeah, there's all sorts of different tricks. Uh, the name tag is a good one because not that many people wear a name tag that that separates you, right? Same yeah. thing with, uh, there's some companies that do some metal business cards or yes. some wood business cards, something that somebody's like, oh, this is cool. Like, I can't throw this away. Like, this is something that might sit on the nightstand for like nine months or something like that. But like, uh, you know, the little paper one is just, it's so easy. Just like, yeah, it's nice to meet you. We'll see you later. But like something that's made out of some nice paper, thick paper, even resumes, right? Yep. Put your resume on a nice piece of paper. Make sure your business card is designed by a professional. If you wear a name tag, I'm not wearing a name tag, Natasha, by the way. It's okay. But uh, <laughs> you, you'll, uh, you, you can rock it for me. Maybe one of these days. Um, but the I other trick, the other, I'm sorry, the other trick is to get your car wrapped. Put a, put oh, a, yeah. put a sign or something on your car. Um, really inexpensive advertising, especially if you're in a rural area and you're always driving. Um, you just got to be sure to watch your speed and be a good driver because you're know, <laughs> not cutting people off. And... You're going 100 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic. Yeah, you got to be really careful. Otherwise, people will know you and they'll tell you because if you're in a small town, they'll say, I caught you speeding the other day. Great. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that, I was trying to keep it local. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to keep it local. <laughs> this is a pretty funny story, but my oh, uncle had, so a, had a motor home on his property it was probably in 1985 he's like oh yeah it, it runs like a dream and you know you could just put a wrap on it for your business and it'd just be a um, oh, just a traveling mobile mobile marketing uh, mobile so i was like yeah yeah this is a good idea i, I gave him a, a grand for it if this uh that'll kind of show you the quality of this bad mama jamma but uh i never wrapped it i tried to fill it with propane once and uh, 
the next morning all the propane was gone so like leaky propane smelled like gasoline inside when you drove it uh, i definitely would not uh, suggest an rv right off the bat like i thought i had the greatest idea in the world and i sold it six months six months later were you handing out candy from the back too hey 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 no i was deal. not right okay thank you very much it was but as, you know, as you guys know with marketing though every business is so individual that you almost have to come up with something different and you've got to you've got to really just create a plan and stick to the plan and if it doesn't work try something else because some things work and some things don't it's about being consistent and doing a lot of things right um, yeah, gotta have a lot of platforms my favorite like kind of saying is just that fail quickly Jake yeah. and I, Jake and I are always laughing about all the different things that I, that I do not do well or that I fail on. And it's just like, I, I don't even use that word. Why, why are you using that word around me? Like that's, that's how I learned. Like my dad was like, can't you just listen to me? I will tell you how to do it. It's like, no, I, I can't. Like I have to screw it up myself and then fix it. That is the only way I learn. It's just like, I wish I was one of those people that could just, watch a video or listen to a concept. I've got that. But real learning in my view is the application of it. Anybody yeah. can say that, oh, if I ran a restaurant, it would be the best restaurant and it would profit so well. Well, then do it. That is yeah. the only way that you actually figure out if any of this works or if there's any truth to any of the business literature written in the last 10, 20 years is you have to go out there and apply it. And that's probably the scariest part of business. You got to be fearless. I was thinking about, um, I had a funny story to share with you. I did a, um, I worked for New York Life um, back in the day and it taught me a lot. It was about having to go out and get clients and create relationships. And um, one of the biggest uh, lessons I learned from it is you don't bad talk your competition. The, uh, my boss that I was with, we were in visiting a, a couple's home um, with her and her mom and dad and we were sell, trying to sell them a life insurance policy and I was with one company and he started bad mouthing the company that they were with. And it was MetLife versus New York Life. And the guy stands up and he goes, well, I like MetLife and, and we were with New York Life. And yeah, they kicked <laughs> us out, okay? So I got kicked out of an appointment with my boss. Go home, it's 8.30 at night because life insurance agents work late. And he said, okay, well, we should go in and make some phone calls. And I said, no, I am done. I am not working anymore tonight. <laughs> he goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going in to have a shot of tequila. You can come with me. You can, <laughs> you can do what you want. I'm done. <laughs> I was done. And at that point, I realized, you know what? Even though he's my boss, he doesn't always know everything. You never bad talk. You're, you don't talk bad about your competition. You stand out differently. Um, and you never quit. I got up the next day and I did it again. But boy, I'll tell you, that was the hardest thing I've ever done is sell life insurance. I learned wow. a lot. Wow. Yeah. We, we've kind of been talking about failure and learning from um, your failures and doing it a hundred times for Kyle to finally understand what he's doing wrong. <laughs> um, and we also kind of talk about marketing. Yeah. I feel like when you had to kick off or when you guys kicked off keep a local Columbia candy campaign, there was a big marketing curve on that just to introduce it to all the different businesses. Cause you really have two, two places you have to market to the businesses to get them on the platform yep. and then the consumers to let them know, Hey, here's a, here's a platform to find the business. Talk about kind of your biggest failures or learning curves with the project. The biggest piece was um, I had a lot of volunteers that wanted to help. And so I had to create a, a script and a way for them to go out and talk about the project um, to the businesses. And I would say my biggest failure was that I had some people that would role play with me on it because, you know, it's hard to go out and cold call. Most of the people I work with have never cold called. They don't go out and talk to business owners. Um, and so this lady, she goes up to Vernonia and she starts calling on businesses. And it, it just didn't go over very well. Um, I, think, I think I had her too practiced and too scripted and um, it didn't sound like it was local anymore. So that was a kind of a big mistake on my, on my part, but that's the way I was trained, right? I was trained by New York Life. So we were taught to go through a script and figure this out. Um, but that I would say Jake was probably the biggest, biggest hurdle and kind of roadblock because then it was like, well, do we trust them? Because they already, you know, in rural, smaller rural communities, outsiders, you know, they know you're an outsider. Even if you're there for 10 years, like I've, you know, I've been here for a while, six years, but I'm still much, you know, very much an outsider because I'm not from Oregon, um, which is okay. 
<laughs> North Dakota, second best place, right? But, um, <laughs> all the North Dakotans, the smart ones, came out to Oregon um, because it's warm. But you're no, talking, the, Natasha, you're talking a little bit about basically a sales script. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that I've found is people talk to me about sale, like, how do you talk to customers? Do you have a script or anything like that? It's like, I have one somewhere, but like I have broken it over the years, but you need a script, but you need to know the script in order to break the script. And I think one of yeah. the things that you're touching on in sales is like, if you're going to run straight from a script, good luck. Yeah. Like it's, ex people are just like, why are you talking like that? Yeah. You don't normally talk like that. Like, why would anyone talk like that or talk in that tone or those different emphasize those different words? And I think the, the best salespeople that I've ever spoken to is how quickly can they get the conversation or get the, the first meeting into a conversational tone. And I'm always put off by businessmen and business women that are um, so forward with this crazy formal scripts. It's like, yo, buddy, what are you selling? Like, I don't even know what you're selling. Like, what is your name? Like, I don't even know, like, who are you? So I, I think it's super important for our listeners to understand, even when you're working for someone else, you're going to probably run into some things that must be scripted. Yep. For certain, if you're working for someone, be sure to ask them, may I break the script at all if it helps earn additional revenue. And then for yourself, you have to know yourself. The way that I sell and the way that Jake sells is probably completely different in the way that we approach the conversation. We have, we're different ages. We have different backgrounds. We grew up in different places from different families. So I just wanted to extend on that thought, Natasha. It's a brilliant yeah. thought. We can't go out there and, and just lay down the heaviest sales script and expect somebody to be like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'll buy it now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then the other part, it was free, right? So I'm, I'm asking people, would you, would you please do this for free? And they're like, well, you mean it's free, Well, nothing, nothing, nothing good is free. No, really it's free. Just use it. That, that's the hardest thing for me is convincing people that it's there and that it's there for them to use because it's grassroots. The more that they use it, the better it works. And you know, the power is that, you know, you get 5,000 more people looking at your, your logo when you sponsor my, my website. Right. You know, and that's what pays for the program as we sell advertising. Um, we have some big sponsors that help, but you know, what do you do? I was going to start charging for it. I tell people, if you don't sign up, I'm going to charge you. <laughs> yeah, just, they don't I'm think gonna, I'm funny. Jake and I are just going to start a duplicate one and we're going to charge a hundred dollars a head. We'll see which one grows faster. You should. You can do it for Washington County. There you yeah, go. I know. I haven't, I haven't really looked to see that. I know that there's some Facebook groups during this COVID-19 um, epidemic that, started some Facebook groups uh, for small business owners and they post every day what, what's for breakfast, what's for lunch, uh, discounts on tree cutting services. And it's, it's similar to your idea of creating an online Rolodex basically where anybody can find anybody and, and find their vital information. So we're seeing, I'm seeing it in Washington, Washington County as well, but in an informal community-based way. And it's, it's pretty, pretty freaking cool in my opinion. Yeah, the website wasn't, wasn't um, expensive to build. We actually had it donated, the first one. Um, the second time we had to hire somebody to get it done because we had some issues. But um, no, it's very, very inexpensive way to connect your community. And it's, it's a really cool way because when, it, when a dollar is spent locally, um, it is respent six times. That's the power of why you shop local. Um, when these small businesses are hurting, if we all looked at the label and it was made in the United States or made in Oregon or even better, made in Columbia County, that's what you want to be buying. And it might cost you a little bit more, but so does life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We yeah. talk about, you know, what businesses could be doing right. And like, you know, getting on your platform, that's something that's free that they could be doing yeah. right. And we also kind of talked about, you know, pivoting a little bit and broadening your horizons. What are you kind of seeing businesses, I don't want to say do wrong, because yeah. everybody has their own way of doing things, right, wrong, and different. Uh, it might work for them, but I guess, w what are the things you're seeing out there with these real small businesses that you can just say, hey, look, the Rolodex has got to go, you know, do this. I would say that they get too much into doing, um, they're too much into their business and not working enough 
on their business. So they're not planning out what they're going to do at Christmas time. And they're thinking mm -hmm. they, do, they might start thinking about it in November. It's too late. Mm -hmm. They should have been thinking about it in July. Right. So they're not thinking far enough ahead and they're, they're going on autopilot. So they're not reading anything new. They're not doing anything for, they're not taking a class. It's, it's about education. They're not talking to local people in their industry. Right. Um, I think those are the, those are the problems right there. You've got to stay connected. Um, if you're, if you're selling medical equipment, you should at least know what your competition's doing. Um, you know, what makes you different? You know, always be checking yourself. It's back to basics all the time. You know, your goal is to have a good product, to deliver that product and to get paid. I don't care what business you're in. It's, it's simple. Every business owner has that, that same, that same issue. So how do you do it a little bit differently and how do you, how do you deliver a better product or a better customer service? Yeah, that's absolute gold right there. Do you think it's a mindset issue or what, like what yes. category of issue is it? I mean, yep. I think they've lost their passion. Got it. So, yep. so we, so we've categorized it as a mindset issue. What can people do? You know, I know at least in Columbia County, cause I kind of grew up in Columbia County. We have a lot of older businesses. The rate of new businesses I feel has kind of slowed down a lot. We have a lot of old businesses. Businesses are getting older. Yep. Um, what can we teach them and what can we teach these new business owners on the topic of mindset and not getting complacent in that regard? Well, Jake, actually we've had a, a lot of new businesses popping up during COVID, yeah. which is interesting because they're shifting, right? So people are like, I don't want to do this anymore, but ooh, I'm going to run with that idea to do this open air market because now people want to shop outside. Um, I think with the mindset is that everybody's got to, you've got to encourage people to try new things like, Hey, listen to my podcast. Um, you should check it out because we've got some great ideas. That's a, that's a way that your generation can help our generation be connected to one another. Um, when I moved out here six years ago, I was surprised that we weren't doing uh, conference calls. So what was hard for me is to go back to the old fashioned. I had to go to every meeting. Um, and so now we're back to conference calls and I'm thinking, yes, we're back to conference calls because, <laughs> because you, you can actually get more done. And um, when we meet, our time is spent brainstorming and connecting and growing those bigger ideas. And I think that's how the two can mix really well together. Um, because I know that every time I spend with my older friends, which my, some of my mentors are in their past 70, um, you know, I learn a lot from them. And, and really it's about going back to the simple things. Have you sent thank you cards? When was the last time you sent a thank you card for a meeting? I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference, um, especially those big ones. But, but those are those kind of things that I think we can learn from one another. And talk, talk to people that are successful. They want to help you be successful. And I think that's funny. Jake and I were just talking about that as he was going to send some thank you letters to me. I was going to sign them and then mail them back to Jake. And then Jake would write a personal note. He would sign his name and then send them out for folks that were on our podcast. It's the little things. It's a Starbucks card. It's a thank you card. It's a flower. It's a favorite candy bar. Uh, finding different ways to show people that you care goes a long, long way as a business owner. And yep. when they talk about you to their other friends and their other network, you wouldn't believe this. I met with him for 20 minutes, sat down for coffee, and he hand delivered a thank you letter. And don't you dare type it out. Mm -hmm. Do not type out your thank you letters. You better be using your best penmanship, trying out that old school cursive and, uh, and hand delivering that baby. Uh, but I think it's all these like old school tricks. They're not tricks. It's about being a good human being. It's about creating relationships. It's about doing what's right no matter what and creating a win-win for your customer. If, it, if it's not about doing business with you, that is okay. That's some absolute gold right there that right? Well, I, I really like to pump the brakes on this topic and slow down and dive deeper into that because, you know, you talk about it's not, you know, something that is an old way of doing it. It's just a way that people have lost the way because they get so wrapped up into, oh, I have Facebook. I can just send a little Facebook message. Oh, I, I mean, I see, him, I see him on Facebook. I don't have to do that. But when we all start doing it, the novelty of it really wears off and the significance of it wears off. And um, I think, you know, that's some, I, you know, new customers, we send out, we actually send out little care packages, but sending out a card from after a meeting, you know, I'm from the younger generation. I wouldn't have thought of that. I think really connecting these ideas from, I don't want to say you're old because you look about 42, but something from that generation, that's gold for me. And I hope it's going to bring a lot of value to the other listeners as well. 
Yeah, my girlfriend, um, matter of fact, uh, when she first started working in an HR business, I told her, I said, you've got to send thank you cards. And this was, let, let's say this is 15, 20 years ago, okay? She was, she was like in the $150,000 range for sales. I, I mean, for income a year, because she, she built such good relationships from those thank yous. And she told me, she said, Natasha, thank you for making me do thank yous because that changed my business. Because <laughs> she, had, she had coworkers that were in that $70,000 range. She was double making double what they were making because she built such good relationships. You know, when, when, the, when the owner of this huge company gets a thank you handwritten, they're like, wow, this, this lady takes time to take care of me, right? Um, it makes a big, most people don't get thank yous that are handwritten. So it's a big deal. Well, I remember this as well is that my mom's an insurance agent and she's working her way towards retirement and she's done very well for herself. And one time she was on the phone, just gabbing, just talking up a storm. And she had to take work home that day because she really found a way to balance the amount of time that she was at home. And the later into her career she got, she got more efficient, said no more and was able to spend a lot of time at home. But she was on one call and I remember and it's going. I didn't hear them talk about insurance until the last minute. And I was like, mom, like, why are you on the phone so long? She was just like, she kind of just rubbed it off. I was, I was talking to a client, but like, why do you have to talk to them so long? She said, because I care. Yeah. And that didn't, I didn't understand it. I was like, well, aren't you just trying to make sales? Aren't you just trying to make money? You know, I was saying that to, in my head and it, it yeah. took me until now to realize her gift of gab, her gift of being able to speak and care and have empathy and all these little soft skills that she learned along the way made her an amazing mother, but also made her an amazing hustler. Like yeah. she was, she's a really, really good insurance agent. Not only does she know her stuff, but she has a way to, to talk because she cares. It's, it's not about selling them something. It's about finding a solution that works for both parties. And if it's not her, she's still going to support it. Yeah. She's still going to send them along their way, uh, whichever, whichever direction they need to go to make sure that they're taken care of. So I think that's important for our listeners to hear. If you're starting a business just to make money, go do something else. Get into sales for somebody else. Do something else. Like it is so hard to not be passionate about an entrepreneurial venture. Even this podcast, there's, there's times where, you know, Jake and I are texting back and forth and are like, who's writing down the questions? Like, like, you know, I've got this, this, and this to do. And I'm like, yeah, well, my, my six-year-old just stubbed his toe. Like you gotta, you gotta bust it out, dude. Midlife crisis. <laughs> We've got crisis in the cul-de-sac. Um, and uh, so I, I, I just think I love it. there's just so, there's so much. And I think, I think a listener, I think entrepreneurs get it wrong. They, they think that it's, they think that it's waking up super early and drinking a ton of coffee and being hyper productive and uh, never having a spare minute and not laughing and hustling and grinding. Just like, ah, you but gotta Kyle, do where you. Do we, where do they get that from though? Cause this really ties into why this podcast started. Where does that mindset come from? Well, there's a lot of the so-called entrepreneurs on social media and YouTube and on the news that are, Coffee's for closers. Coffee's for closers. More coffee. It's just like, well, that's not, that's not healthy, sir. <laughs> like, that's, that, you know, that's, that's, that's just leads to burnout, to frustration, to ruined relationships, to a lack of family time. There's so many different levels of that is we just see it, right? We see the fancy cars on Instagram and that's what entrepreneurship is. It's not, it's about solving problems. It's about caring. It's about spending the extra 15 minutes with a customer because they needed it that day. And they'll never forget it. Right. Yeah. It's just, there's, there's just so many, I know we're all over the place right now, but I think every single thing that's been said in the last 20 minutes is just hitting home for me. Um, the one concept before I start asking you more questions and get this, get this uh, train back on the tracks, work on your business, not in it. And so many self-employed folks, I love, for an example, I love to 
make lawnmowers run again. I'm guilty. It's my guilty pleasure. I like to make things run. Um, And so I could theoretically start up a shop that fixes small engines. And we see the small engine shops all around or uh, every state and every country, everything like that. However, if I am the one constantly fixing the lawnmower, who's buying and selling them? Who's dealing with the customers? Who's working on the sales strategy? Who's working on the overarching marketing? Who's working on the social media marketing? A true entrepreneur works on their business and only in their business when they have to in in a time of helping out their employees or, or whatnot. The larger percentage of time you can work on your business and not in your business will exponentially increase your revenue profit margins, et cetera. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that was a rant. That was a rant. That was awesome, Kyle. I, I need some water now. I need some water. Jake, you got to take over, man. I'm sweating You deserve over a here. break. I'm sweating. AC's not turning on. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's what I, it's, it's probably the biggest problem I see with dealing with the small business owners. And then they're not doing what they love anymore. They're just turning the wheels. They're just, they're taking that order. They're doing their thing because their staff is sick and, um, they've really got to create some balance. You got to work to, you got to work, live to work. You know, you don't work to live. Um, and I think that that's also a change in generations, right? Um, you know, I think, I think the younger generation is teaching, you know, me how to be, have more work balance. Um, you know, how I can work from six to eight and, you know, 10 to four and, you know, seven to nine, if I choose, I don't have to have this, this set, you know, work day eight to five anymore. It's, our world's not like that. And when we go to the grocery store and we run into an old friend and we're working, that's work because we're talking what's going on in, in the world, right? We're creating those relationships. So there's a different concept of work these days. And it, it's because our phones and technology have plugged us into everything. We're never off. We're always on. So what, so the, I guess the, the line work on your business, not in your business, that is a very deep, complex sentence there. Yeah. Can you know, Kyle, Natasha, whoever wants to, wants to hit it up here, what, like, give an example to the viewers of that. Cause even for me listening to it, like, I kind of feel like I understand it, but that's a very deep concept. What's an example of that? Well, okay. So for me right now, I'm working on my business, not in it. Working on it means I'm making plans for the next year and um, what kind of new skills I'm going to learn. Um, what, what, and that equates to what kind of new clients I can take. Um, that's working on the business. Working in the business is transactional. Um, I'm, I'm working on a client's project. I'm producing a job there. I'm, that's transactional process. That's not working on my business. Kyle, do you want to kind of elaborate? You probably, you're yeah, a little I'll bit give, more I'll give a couple. with your words. I'll give a couple examples and you have to look at this thing like a multi-leveled triangle. So if you're listening to this, close your eyes, think of a, a little triangle or a pyramid that goes up. The level at the bottom is people that are working in their business day in and day out. This is like a clock repair shop. There's a gentleman sitting at the counter. He's repairing your clock. He's taking um, transactions. He's doing the bookkeeping. He's doing absolutely everything. However, if we take a look at the Les Schwab model, for example, we have multiple employees that are changing tires, multiple employees that are doing alignments and changing brakes. We have five or six bays and those employees are doing that. There's also a manager in that business. Okay, the day-to-day operations do at the very top of this triangle, I do not need to be there. And if I am not there, there are standard operating procedures in place for every employee that everybody knows. So you have to go through and progress through that and make it a goal that you get to the level of entrepreneur because entrepreneur works on the business at the top and has other people doing the day-to-day below them. If you're the entrepreneur, you would be on podcasts. You would be going to the community meetings. You would be speaking at your high school as the graduation speaker coming back as a successful entrepreneur. So that's what I think of. There's various levels of working on and in your business, and you need to strive 
to get higher and higher up because in order to truly expand, you are going to need to take more of a visionary role, a leadership role that trickles down into your general managers, supervisors, et cetera. I could go on and on about this. This is an extreme, and, and thank you, Natasha, for bringing up this point. This is by far something that has changed it for me, is like, I don't, so I have a lacrosse company, and I had up to six different select teams one summer. So that's 18 different players. That's two coaches per team, et cetera. I can't coach them all. No. Okay. And I don't want to coach them all. I want to coach one of them because I enjoy coaching. I work in my business when I want to, when I find that that brings me motivation and it's a small percentage of my time that increases the value of the entire company. So yep. that's kind of another example of how I've done in my business. Same thing with the tournament. I can't officiate every game I hired out. I don't know how to draw. I hired out. I do not know how to create a website. I hired out. I don't know how to do my taxes. I hired out. You know, so there's all these different things that obviously you have to figure out cost wise, you, you've got to still make money. So you might need to work in your business. Another way to think about this and cut me off if I go longer than a minute on this is the big transactions. So my sales team might close everything under $500. However, if there's a larger deal on the line, like a, a real estate acquisition that I need a, I need, I would like to be the lead negotiator in because that is my expertise in that acquisition then that is when I work in my business because it makes the most sense. I, I, I hope this is making sense. No, it makes no. complete sense. Yeah, it totally does. I just think that, you know, it's a very simple line to say, but it's very in-depth. That that's a very, very meaty line that I want to make sure we're really breaking down and dissecting as far as we can for, you know, because there's listeners out there that are, haven't started their business yet. They're just drawing it up, you know, pen and paper, real, real crappy stick figure as Kyle would do. Um, and Come I think, on. I think, I think it's okay to do any state, stop but that's making fun of me. <laughs> I'll never stop, dude. I'll never stop. But I, <laughs> I, just, I just think it's so important for us to dissect that down yeah. as far as we can. And I think there's all different sorts of stages of business. I, you know, I, some people hobby their businesses, but you know, it's any type of business they have, there's lessons learned. And then they decide if they're going to do something different or if they're going to go more serious. But I'm a firm believer that everybody should have a, a plan B or a part-time gig, right? Um, because when the, when your job fails, what's going to happen? If you've already got a, a part-time business started, maybe fixing lawnmowers, um, that's just a jump off point. So I'm, you know, I'm for small all the way up on, you know, you know, larger, but, but I'm all four stages. And that's, and that's, you know, you put your foot in the water. Do I like it? Cause business owners are scared. They think they're going to have to work all the time and do the coffee thing all the time. And you don't have to, that's not, it's not reality. Just, just most of the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's some long days and it's a lot of work, uh, but it's definitely a, a re rewarding and creates new skills. This episode has been just completely packed full of actionable items. I, we could go on for another two hours, I know, but uh, the kids are probably out in the street throwing rocks or something right now. So I need to uh, get out there. Jake, is there any last questions that you have for Natasha? I mean, I think you can ask her just about any question and her experience just comes through in her voice about those little things that make a big difference. But is there anything that you're just uh, itching to ask? Oh boy, I mean, I, I saw a list here on my computer of things I wanna ask and dive into, but somebody has responsibilities, hashtag dad life. Um, <laughs> I guess, like, what is either one piece of advice you would give a startup or one thing that you wish you would have known? I know you're very young, but let's say 20 years ago. Yeah. I would say to be more confident. Um, I wish I would have started Toastmasters in my 20s because Toastmasters, you know, I have a degree in psychology, you know, no degree in business, but psychology. But um, I do wish I would have had more confidence in public speaking earlier on because that's your sales. That's you're selling yourself. You're selling yourself to your husband, to your kids, to your friends. Um, 
I think that that's just a game changer is with your public speaking, you nail your commercials um, and really, uh, you know, just the confidence to be a businesswoman. I wasn't, you know, told you should go to, you know, you should go to college. I was told you should go to college and get a job is what I was, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs. They didn't, they didn't encourage it. Let's, let's, they, they were like, go to work, go to college, get a good job. Um, make sure you can support yourself. And so I'm the only one out of four girls that's an entrepreneur and, um, which is good. My dad's proud of me, but, um, but I would say the other piece is make sure that you can restart your day. Just restart your day with a positive attitude. You get up with an attitude of gratitude every day and love what you do. And you are going to have an amazing day. And you know what, if you don't make that goal today, you're going to make it tomorrow. If you don't make that set it again, because you should have good, great and awesome goals. And, um, it's okay to restart. And Natasha, I really, I, and Natasha, I really think, you know, for the viewers out there, you are a great case study example of you don't have to know a lot about business to be successful. But what you do have to know is how to interact with people. You have a degree in psychology. You didn't get a degree in business and you're doing just fine, right? Plus yeah. a ton. You have to know the people. It's all about the people. It is. Literature. Yeah, it is. It's about creating relationships. And uh, you can also fire clients. That's for the next time we talk. Slow <laughs> <laughs> to hire, quick to fire. Well, that's the other piece of advice I give people. Oh, we'll talk and I'm like, hang on, that's for the next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely have to table another. This could go on and on and on. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love that you're just kind of speaking from the heart and your experience. So thank you so much, Natasha, for joining us. Did you have fun? I had a good time. I'll come back and I'll listen to you guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, this is the best. This has been so much fun for us. And this episode has been a blast. Uh, we had two episodes today and we've been laughing all afternoon. Um, I'm going to have a great day. Uh, just like you said. And uh, if I start not having a great day, uh, I close my eyes for a few seconds, be grateful what, for what I have and who I help and I'll restart that day. So again, thank you, Natasha. Where can we find you on social media and on the web? Um, keep it local, Columbia County. Uh, my email is keepitlocalcc at gmail.com. And if you Google Natasha Parvey, I'll pop up. I'm all over. Awesome. There we go. In order to grow the podcast, we need your help. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and tell a friend about every episode you find value in and share the episode on your favorite social media platform. If you liked the episode, please rate the episode five stars if you really liked it and leave us a review. You can find us at Against All Average on all of your favorite social media platforms. Another and if anybody didn't out, know, this is a what's five up, star. Jake? Well, and if anybody didn't know, this is a five-star episode, just so you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a six, but they only have five on most of those. So, uh, And I only do award-winning shows, so. Yeah, we only, pick, we only pick the best. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, thank you, thank you, Natasha. Another big shout-out. And also shout-out to our episode sponsor, Fame Pro Services. And with that, we thank you for listening to episode 11 of the Against All Average podcast. Cue the music. We'll see you next time.